Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. 106 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott, Cody Jansen. It's been that way all week. It'll continue that way through Monday. Big guys back on Tuesday. Hope Bob's enjoying, again, a well-deserved vacation. 52 straight weeks behind the microphone. Oilers now brought to you by Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Still to come at 135, we'll check in with our NHL insider, John Shannon. Big bounce back effort for the Vancouver Canucks last night. We'll talk about that. Uh, bubbles being proposed for next season. Not two, but maybe four Divisional bubbles, it sounds like. At least that was some rumblings out of the league office. We'll check in with John Shannon on that. And, of course, the sanctions placed on the Arizona Coyotes at about noon today. They have lost their second-round pick in this upcoming draft, as well as their first-rounder in 2021. And remember that because of that Taylor Hall trade, they've already... They don't have their first rounder this year either. So um, the future is not exactly looking bright in Arizona. We'll talk about that with John Shannon. Right now, though, we are going to be joined on our River Cree Resort Casino hotline by our regular Wednesday contributor from the Cult of Hockey. It is David Staples. David, how are you doing today? Good, Brendan. That's uh, impressive with Bob, 52 straight weeks he's like the cal ripkin jr of broadcast something like that there's a hitting streak is there a working streak i'm not sure i don't the man doesn't get sick i think is what it is or if he does it's not between the hours of 12 and 2 he he is a total workhorse he's a total workhorse without a doubt okay david um big trade to open yesterday and this may have set the market um, at least given us kind of a, a better idea of how things might function this offseason and that's where i want to start with you so kasperi kapanen back to pittsburgh he was of course their first rounder back in 2014 um he goes back to pittsburgh in exchange for really i mean a 20 or 2020 first round pick a 15th overall pick in a draft where there's still going to be some good players kicking around there so uh, good move by Kyle Dubas obviously you gotta love that yeah I agree Brendan I mean wow getting a first round draft pick in a very very deep draft for a player in Casper uh, Kaepernick who has a reputation of not playing well with top line players um, you know when you're trading for that that uh, that pick you want to get a winger who you know you can slot in on your top line did Pittsburgh get that 
um, you know, if they got a, a Tyler Toffoli kind of player who's going to help them in the playoffs, they've they've won. But if it turns out to be like a lot of other guys, like the Oilers with Andreas FNSU, who didn't turn out so well, then that's a big hit. Uh, but on the other hand, Crosby and Malkin, what's the window for them for winning the Cup? Uh, it's it's closing fast. Mm-hmm. So you can see why they'd make that trade. And I guess that's that's the best they thought they could do for... Um, for uh, that first round draft pick, I wonder, like, what's Andreas Athanasio's worth now? If you can get that for Capitan, I mean, how much better a player is Capitan than Athanasio? Um, I don't know. He's not had a thirty goal year like Athanasio did. So, but he's had a twenty goal and forty five point season. So, I mean, th- there's something there. But it's interesting that you bring up Athanasio and draw that comparison, David, because you kind of hear the same thing about Andreas is that he doesn't play well with high caliber centers so you're kind of getting a similar a similar look at similar players there in my opinion anyway i i think you know i i'd like to see a fantasy you play with mcdavid for for 15 20 games because i think they say crosby's a difficult player to play with and i think mcdavid is exactly the same thing a very he's not an easy guy to play with first of all it, the game's going at warp speed it's hard to keep up so players like you know james neal and chase on have a hard time doing that and haven't had great results with McDavid historically. So you need to be fast. But the other thing is McDavid just absolutely dominates the puck. So if that's a big part of your game, like the give and go, passing the puck like it is for a Nugent Hopkins uh, or even Dreisaitl, they're not necessarily the right player to go with McDavid. And uh, But a fantasy who plays kind of a straight-ahead, up-and-down game, uh, he, he likes to take the puck hard to that, but he doesn't really need the puck... Maybe he could fit in with McDavid if he figures it out. Um, just going hard to the net, uh, back-checking hard, up and down his wing. That might work uh, with Connor McDavid. So I'm still hoping, if he does come back, that's what I want, want to see from the, with the player. No, without a doubt. And it's going to have to be, as we know, quite a bit cheaper than he was originally uh, getting paid here. But... Let's let's move on. Just in terms of how he's going to be used, I think that we can slot that into next year's what did Dave Tippett do right and what did Dave Tippett do wrong. Um, unless you think that there's a case to be made that he should have spent more time this year with the higher caliber players. You, you wish he had a full season. And that was the point that I made to Bob about Athanasiu is that is it a case of a lower hockey IQ not being able to assimilate? Or did he just not have enough time to figure out how to riff off of his line mates and now suddenly we've got a guy that needs to be qualified other than, uh, um, excuse me, and if he's not, he's hitting the open market. So uh, it'll be an interesting situation, but I know we want to get to tippets. So I do believe just out of the gate that the success that he had here in in year one, David, kind of maybe opened some eyes in Washington to the fact that a veteran coach is obviously in the short term something that can greatly impact a team. That's a fair thing to assume? Tippett historically had had a lot of success in his first year with teams, and this was certainly the case this year, wasn't it? He took a team that was demoralized and kind of... You know, there was questions how long Connor McDavid's going to be here. And it sounds like, you know, from what we hear from McDavid say, and and we certainly from what we saw in terms of the results of the team, that Tippett turned that around completely. Um, He just, and he did so, you know, I've been leading the charge as much as anyone criticizing him for breaking up the Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, Nugent Hopkins line in the playoffs. And, you know, wondering, like, how can you lose to Chicago and not 
make Chicago stop that line. You know, let's prove, let's see if they can stop that line. And if they can't, uh, then we don't have anything to worry about with this team. Why don't you get that question answered? So that, I think, is a fair criticism of uh, Tippett, and it's been made by a lot of fans. But I, what can be lost in all this, Brendan, is, yeah, Maybe he overthought things in the playoffs, but he, on decision after decision after decision, he got things right in the regular season. And that should be at the foremost of my, it's the foremost of my mind in the end in terms of assessing Tippett's work with the Oilers this year. He did, uh, I would, I'd give him a B plus. Do you think that he was aided in any way by the fact that he has Gullitson and then they brought in Jim Playfair as the associate coach? And like obviously they helped him out and they helped with the power play and the penalty kill and that sort of thing. But between the three of them, it seems like they're they're players, coaches, they're approachable, they're um, they're never too high or too low in the media anyway from what we've seen. And this this seems to be a good group uh, behind the bench, not necessarily just Tippett, right? Well, Tippett gets the most credit because he's, you know, he's the guy in charge of this aspect of, you know, what goes on on the ice. And so it's a credit to him that he can work with. I mean, Gullitson uh, has been a head coach in the NHL. You just know he's a strong personality, probably an alpha male. And, 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 and Playfair, he's, been a, he's an extremely experienced, knowledgeable coach. So for Tippett to, to bring in really strong coaches like that and work with them speaks speaks well of him. And from talking to Playfair about the penalty kill, Playfair ran the penalty kill and Galitza ran the power play. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. But Playfair made it clear that all of these uh, things were a total team effort with everybody having input. The players, uh, himself, but, but, and Tippett having a major say. So in terms of coming up for the, you know, the excellent strategy of the PK, which was essentially to you know, give up shots from the side and take away the middle of the ice, uh, be very aggressive in covering that middle zone of the ice, and for allowing that power play just to do what you know organically come together as it's been doing for a number of years, uh, but allowing Gullitson to take that a step forward, um, you know that's Tippett. He's the guy in the end who's responsible for you know tactics, coaches, uh, strategy, uh, deciding which players get out there, and he just did. Uh, on decision after decision, he did a great job. I mean, I'm criticizing him for breaking up the dry side of line in the playoffs, but he put that line together. They, that was Tippett's idea. Uh, let's get this. Let's put these three guys together, uh, and it, and it worked out brilliantly. It turned the season around. That one decision, and it was just indicative of some of the good work he did. One of the other things as we chat with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey, one of the other things that Tippett garnered praise for uh, was the way that he managed his goaltenders in, in a very unique goaltending scenario. I mean, neither one of those guys is good to start a bunch of games in a row, and he just seemed to have the magic hand through most of it up until I wonder what you think about how it was managed during the playoffs, and maybe that's somewhere where he uh, stepped away from what he had been doing right in the regular season, and, and do you think he was a little bit too, uh, or, or not flexible enough? 
Well, uh, Brian Lawton, a guest on the show, had made the point that he, he felt it was a real mistake that Tippett went with Mike Smith over Koskinen. Uh, in the first game of the playoffs because Koskinen had earned it and, you know, rewarding the player who's earned it is a big part of being a coach. So that's a pretty strong criticism of the coach, and, and I, I agree with it. I thought Koskinen had earned it. But on the other hand, all year long, um, uh, Tippett had been going with Smith as his first choice, you know, for the you know first game of the year, first this, first that. He always seemed to have a little bit of a preference for Smith over Koskinen, so it wasn't a surprise in that that, that regard. As for, you know, again, his handling of the goalies in the regular season was, was pretty darn good. He, what we'd seen in previous years was Cam Talbot get run into the ground uh, until the tires were falling off, and then Mikko Koskinen, same thing, him run into the ground and very big tires uh, falling off. And um, we didn't see that at all. You know, there was talk in the past of how you need two goalies to win in the NHL, but there wasn't actually that action that we saw. Now, maybe it's because they didn't, the previous coaches didn't trust the backup, and he could this year. But uh, I just thought it was just very well done. You know, Koskinen run out there when he was going good, and then, it, you know, uh, go back to Smith. And he just showed enough, even though he seemed to favor Smith all year, he showed enough confidence in Koskinen that he was using him repeatedly. And Koskinen came up very big this year. He had a 9.17 save percentages, which was above average in the NHL, and Koskinen played well. The point that I made yesterday was that if they do decide to bring back the same goaltending duo, and obviously that's not the preference, but if they're able to find some way to allocate more money uh, up front instead of clearing space and bringing in maybe a youthful goaltender, because by no means do I think that Matt Murray is a surefire solution for this team in the long term or really the short term, that's going to come with as much risk as the next guy. And and you go down the list of available goaltenders, David, and you're, you're looking at basically living with with a problem, whether it's age or, um, you know, inconsistency or anything to that effect. So to me, there's a chance that Smith gets brought back. But the, the inherent risk in that is what if that stretch that we saw in November and December happens in February or March or, you know, the, the stretch of the season, whenever that next one may be, um, then you don't necessarily have the luxury to flip-flop and manage goaltending the way that Tippett did. So based on that, do you see a scenario, like how likely is it, I guess, do you think that Smith ends up being brought back? Because uh, Koskin is not going anywhere as long as he's got that contract. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, Smith, he's 38. He's had two years in a row where he's had like a save percentage around 900. And, you know, I just think that's a real indication to me it's time to move on. That said, um, I'm glad that Ken Holland, you know, my knee-jerk reaction when Ken Holland said he's, you know, when the, he didn't say anything yet, but the rumor through Mark Spector is that, you know, the Oilers might be thinking of bringing Max Smith. And when I, you know, I'm glad Ken Holland, if that's his position, is keeping his options open. Because maybe you can't get a better goalie than Smith. Maybe that's as good as you're going to do. Now, I doubt that. I think that there's a lot of goalies out there um, that are better than Smith and will be a better pick than Smith. That said, very smart Ken Hall and putting that out there, getting it out there through Spectre. Uh, that's the mechanism I believe it happened. Um, that the options open and this might happen. And I don't think he's kind of preparing the fan base, you know, for this, for bringing back an unpopular player. Because I think most fans uh, don't want to see Smith come back. But Hall and must keep his options open. And the question I have, Brendan, is I think the owners are going to have the money, the cap space, to make one kind of signing 
maybe you know if they're if they really stretch maybe in the six seven million dollar range one guy if if they were really really to stretch but more likely four or five million dollar range so should that player be a goalie or a, a winger and that's the that's the, the the hard question for ken holland is a goalie or winger that you want to invest that money because there's a the, the problem is, I don't think you're going to get a Robin Leonard or a Markstrom right. unless you really stretch. And I'm not sure that's the right call. I mean, it's it, it might be tempting, though. And I don't know if the Oilers could stretch far enough to get either of those players because there's a couple of really good guys out there. But maybe they're going to get a goalie in the 4 or $5 million range who would also be a very good player. It's going to be really interesting to watch what the dollar valuation on some of these UFAs is, obviously, because we don't know, especially with the flat cap, I mean, how things need to be allocated. So if you can get a goalie like Hudobin for two years at two or three million per and then have a couple million dollars to sprinkle out the rest of the lineup, that's probably the best case scenario. David, I am sad that Tyler Toffoli wasn't acquired by the Oilers. I... Loved him as a player, really, from the first time the Kings won the Cup. I believe it was like 2012. And he was actually on the ice getting interviewed post-game after they had won the Cup. He's on his cell phone with his dad, and nothing's filtered. Holy blank, Dad, we won, we won. It's unbelievable. (laughs) I'm sitting there with my old man watching it, and I just thought, yeah, that's a hockey player's hockey player right there. And he comes back into the Canucks lineup last night and reminds everybody why they acquired him at the deadline. He had 10 points in 10 games leading up to the pause, and then he had two more last night in his return this is a player that would have really helped the oilers isn't it brendan i just had a massive dose of Toffoli and uh, <laughs> watching the highlights last night i just like you know that's exactly the kind of player that they need the oilers need to play with mcdavid i think a, a shooter right like someone who goes to the net and can shoot the puck mm-hmm. and cash in on goals and that's the guy you know he doesn't need the puck that's the guy they need for McDavid, and then I looked up. I just wanted to refresh my memory. I looked up what the what they traded for him. It was only a second pick, second round pick. So the Oilers gave up two second round picks for Athanasiu. Canucks gave up one for Toffoli, and that that as an like I'm I'm coming at this as an Oiler fan. That hurt. <laughs> that really <laughs> hurt. And and I just wondered, you know, okay, was that Ken Holland? Was that a like is that a mistake? Did he just because he's from Detroit? Did he? You know, know this player, have more comfort, doesn't know Toffoli as well, or was the Vancouver GM just in the right place at the right time to make that deal, pull the trigger on that, and uh, get you know get this player, or is it just luck? You know, maybe it's luck that Athanasiu didn't perform well and Toffoli did. Maybe, you know, Athanasiu had lots of good shots at net. Maybe if he had hit a few more of them or scored on one or two, maybe we'd be looking at this differently. So, because in a short playoff series, puck luck plays a huge role. Yeah. But really, that hurt. Brendan, I mean, and, and uh, wow, I just, it just made me wonder, was Kent Holland aggressive enough? And we had the same conversation about Shirelli in 2017 playoffs. Did he do enough or the right things to improve the team for the playoffs this year? But you can't say Kent Holland didn't try. He, did, he was quite active. No, I completely agree. Just looking at the dollar value, and Toffoli is a UFA at the end of this season, but a $4.6 million cap hit. If there's any team around the league right now who can afford to you know, absorb some of that, and, and I don't know if they retained any salary in that Canucks trade, but maybe that had something to do with it. Bottom line, I mean, he's turning 28 next April, so or no, he just turned 28, excuse me. So this is a guy that has got some tra- 
tread on those tires and clearly has been there before. So, um, hey, I'm taking a long look at him if he is available this offseason for sure, and I'm sure you would be as well. Yeah, I thought he had signed. I must be mistaken about that. But um, I'm looking at Cap Friendly right now, and okay. if I'm reading everything yeah. right, it looks like All he's, right. he's done. After this okay, year. you got it. My internet's not working right now here. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I definitely. Um, I don't know how much he's going to cost. I imagine. I mean, he's playing. He's playing in Vancouver. He's he's playing with Elias Pettersson. I, I think he's going to. They're going to do everything they can to sign him, and I bet you he signs there. And. And I don't even like you know he hasn't had great years in L.A. Like maybe the best move is to you know to get what you got out of him for a second round draft pick in these playoffs and then move on. I I, I can't say for sure about that because you tend to overpay for free agents and you got especially free agents who do well in the playoffs you might get burnt on that. So it's just these these are very tricky decisions. But the Oilers you know job probably job one in the off season for Ken Holland is finding wingers thinking hard and finding wingers who can play well with Connor McDavid. And it's not exactly obvious who that is going to be because, as we saw this year, Leon Dreisaitl, the best player in the NHL this year, he and McDavid didn't have that chemistry this year, especially on defense. So, and Nugent Hopkins, like, I know that they did okay in the playoffs, but I didn't see tons of chemistry even with Nugent Hopkins I saw way more chemistry with between Nugent Dreisaitl and Yamamoto than I saw with Nugent McDavid so it's not an easy question to answer it's going to take a lot of thinking it's kind of like figuring out who plays well with Crosby and what can we afford exactly and then that's where analytics start to come in and that's where I start to I'm more of a watch and see and feel the game than I am look at a piece of paper and determine but maybe uh, maybe I should well round that out David thank you so much for your insights my friend we'll chat next week Always good to talk to you, Brendan. Likewise, appreciate the time. That's David Staples from The Cult of Hockey. You can find his work simply by Googling The Cult of Hockey. We're going to marry the breaks here. We'll bring it back with our NHL insider, John Shannon, after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.